Welcome back to Two Live Jew, everybody. I'm Jacob Wool. Laura Loomer is here as always as well. Laura, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Doing well. It's it's great to be back here and uh, doing the podcast. It was a great weekend for me down here in uh, Southern California. I know you've been working very diligently on some new stuff yourself that's uh, coming soon. So uh, I'm sure people are waiting with bated breath for that. But uh, wow, a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm just reading across the wire right now that the FBI has now leaked the tapes, the Trump tapes, 12 tapes between Trump and his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to CNN. These tapes were, of course, seized in the early morning raid on Michael Cohen's home office and hotel room, and they're now in the possession of CNN. It's interesting how these things never seem to get leaked to Fox or the Wall Street Journal. They always seem to make their way to, to CNN to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, to these various fake news outlets. It's a very interesting thing indeed. Actually, it's not interesting at all. It's obvious. But we, we've got a couple of things here to, to, to get into for from the Russia perspective. We're going to be talking about this new stimulus package for farmers that President Trump is launching. And we're also going to be talking about the, this, this incredible cover-up in Toronto following the terror attack of Faisal Hussein, Remember, folks, just mental illness, no terrorism. Uh, we're going to be talking all about that. We're also going to get into, in the last segment today, this uncanny story that I read today about the colleges and this new way that they're planning to rip you off. Uh, we're going to get into that last but not least. So we've got a lot to cover, a lot to get through. You know, Laura, I, I looked at this FISA application, which in my view, more than anything else, was a shot across the bow at the deep state, telling them that President Trump, and remember this, folks, President Trump can declassify anything he wants at any time, anything he wants at any time, no permission needed. And that's exactly what he did on Friday with the Carter Page FISA application. You remember we, we had the various memos from Devin Nunes. Mm -hmm. We had all of this talk about it. And now we're finally seeing the source document. The first thing that hit me was it looked basically like you would expect it to look. The next thing that hit me was I looked at it and I read through it and it was heavily redacted, but you could make out the gist of it. And the bigger thing that struck me, Laura, was that everything we've been saying about this FISA warrant us conservatives on the Washington Reporter podcast and Two Live Jew and, and on Laura's Twitter and everywhere else, everything we've been saying about this is true. You know, they, for, for months, the Democrats were saying, well, listen, we've got exhaustive source material for this FISA warrant. The dossier was there, but, but really it was just window dressing. And, you know, in reality, we had thousands of pages of, of, of other documents and, and evidence. And, you know, Carter Page was investigated before. And all of this. That's what we heard. That was the story that we got from the Democrats. You know, they, they even voted, they, they wanted to remove Devin Nunes from the Intel Committee. They said he's lying about this FISA warrant. Well, now we've seen the actual application. And it turns out that everything Devin Nunes said was true. Everything that Fox News reported was true. Everything you got from us, everything you got from the Daily Caller, it was all true. And everything you got from CNN, the New York Times, and the Democrats was false. Are, are we to be surprised by this, Laura? I mean, at what point <laughs> at what point am I supposed to look at this stuff and, and be surprised? No, and all I can think about right now is that day that I ambushed uh, James Comey at his book signing, and I asked him, how did you brief the presidents of the United States on this dossier when you knew that it was unverified and salacious and funded by Hillary Clinton? And the look on his face, you know? I mean, 
look, they just don't want to be held accountable. None of these people want to be held accountable. But as as we now see, all of this information was completely false. It was completely manufactured. And uh, I'm just not surprised. Right. But as we see time and time again, when these little facts come out, all of these organizations like CNN, MSNBC and other fake news uh, journalists and media companies, they just they refuse to apologize. They don't. It doesn't matter how wrong they are. Right. They just spread the lies. They let it go viral on Twitter. They let it go viral on social media. And then when it comes out, they're lying, comes out, they're not true. They never even retract. So I was I know and I was taken aback by this pattern uh, when I was on Twitter today and I saw that Alex Jones was trending. And I thought, huh, did he get me too? I mean, that's always got to be the first thought that crosses your mind. No, no, no. I mean, this is true. When you see a man's name trending on Twitter now, isn't that the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, crap. Either so like they got died or they, uh, or they got me too, yes. Yeah, they got me too, meaning they got accused of something with no evidence and now we all have to jump on top and condemn them. Right, right. That is what happens. So I saw Alex Jones was trending and I said, oh, geez, what happened? I clicked on it and... Here's what they said. The Daily Beast had reported, Alex Jones threatens Mueller. That's a demon I will take down. Oh my God, I'm thinking, okay, yes, and that sounds all good. It's fact check true, okay, whatever. And they said, that's a demon I will take down. And then they take another quote and say, or die trying. But of course, if you look at the quote, he says, that's a demon I will take down politically. <laughs> he said politically. He said politically, I'm going to take him down. And sure enough, they got this trending. It's a total fake news fabrication, complete fake news fabrication. But these are the same people that attack me. They attack you, Laura. They attack our podcast. They attack everything and everyone. And it's really remarkable. You and I are both officially shadow banned right now on Twitter. Uh, You can see this. So if if you want to see what I'm talking about, here's what you need to do. Go on Twitter and click Go, go on your Google Chrome browser and click New Incognito Window or click Private Browser if you're on Safari. It, most browsers have an equivalent of this. That way you're not logged in. You don't have cookies. You don't have anything stored up. It just sets it fresh. And then go on Twitter and search Laura Loomer or Jacob Wool or Mike Cernovich or Alex Jones. And guess what comes up? Guess what's suggested? A bunch of fake accounts. In your case, in my case, and in Mike Cernovich's case. And, you know, it used to be when I would report these fake accounts, they'd get rid of them. Now they just leave them up there. Same with you, I I assume. So, you know, it's like they're allowed to run their fake news campaign, but we get shadow banned. This is the way that it goes. It's a total double standard. That's why more and more you have to move this stuff onto your your own site. That's what I've seen you doing, Laura. Um, It's what what I've done. Because you never know when you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to be deplatformed. And that's what they're trying to do with Jones. It's what they're trying to do with you and me and, and, and the rest of us. But it's one of the things that struck me. And you, you mentioned with the dossier, putting, putting me aside to the shelf here for a moment, you mentioned how James Comey looked scared. He looked spooked. Well, it's now being reported that Robbie Mook, uh, the little demented deviant Robbie Mook, Hillary Clinton's, uh, Hillary Clinton's boy toy, wacky, the, the one who Hillary Clinton reportedly on election night beat up. No, she, she she reportedly beat him up. I mean, that's reported. Mainstream media uh, and alternative media, both sides. After was this after or before she got drunk on the uh, you know the expensive champagne? How much was that champagne? Do you remember that story that came out of the election about how much her champagne was? Yeah, it was had, like a ridiculous story. She had one bottle that was worth uh, 40, a million dollars 40, or something 000, like that, and, and another bottle that was worth several hundred thousand. 
uh, probably, well, probably like courtesy of, uh, of, of the Russians. I mean, Hillary Clinton's the one that stayed at Vladimir Putin's private Dasha that nobody even knew existed overnight and then wrote about it in her book years later, Secret Meeting with Putin. Trump did that. It would be the end of the world. But listen to Robbie Mook here. Just I'll play the clip and we'll work backwards from there. And the Clinton campaign has stood up and said, oh, yeah, I knew this and I was the one who helped sign off on it. Well, look, for, uh, I, do, I didn't know that we were paying the contractor that uh, created that document. I didn't. Uh, oh, you didn't know? What do you no, mean you didn't, we didn't know? know? You took the document just, and brought it over to the FBI and told them, go wiretap these guys. You know, Hillary Clinton seems to not know a lot. She didn't know that she was paying for this document, this opposition research. She didn't know that Harvey Weinstein was a rapist. But then after her uh, election law, she was pictured having dinner with him. I mean, she didn't Hillary know Clinton that, doesn't uh, know anything. Didn't know that C stands for classified. Classified. I mean, what else does Hillary Clinton not know? <laughs> she, she doesn't know anything. She, she doesn't know anything. I mean, grandkids, just more proof that this lady. Grandkids and yoga. That's what she knows, folks. She Yeah, is, and walks in the woods. Or, yeah. you know, just walking in the woods. Walking in the woods, a little bit of Chardonnay, uh, and some grandkids and some golf. But, but, but he continues. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what I did know, and that is that when we started to look into Donald Trump's business dealings, it was this massive tree of LLCs and shell companies. Uh, we were overwhelmed. Uh, we were out of our league on it, frankly. And so I asked our lawyer and I gave him a, a budget allocation to investigate this, particularly the international aspect. My understanding is that dossier is the product of not just research that was funded by our campaign, but also by Republican donors, uh, and that they put that all together and gave that to the press. Right, right. Um, Jonathan Steele was hired, I, I, I guess, uh, after the Republican uh, people started it, dropped out, and, and once you guys were paying for it. But I mean, did... But the Republican people never used Christopher Steele. That's the difference. They did a standard dig. They didn't go to a foreigner and say, write whatever you want. It's crazy. And then take that document and bring it in and get a wiretap done. So, yeah, the Free Beacon did run some opposition research against Trump because they weren't supporting Trump. But they didn't do any of this stuff with foreigners. Chris Steele's a Brit. I know the dossier was something that was compiled later. Were you or other people in the campaign or who in the campaign was seeing the memos that, that Jonathan Steele was putting out? I mean, you guys are paying for opposition research. Who's Jonathan Steele? I, I don't know. George, you must have been seeing the fruits of that throughout the campaign, no? Well, we were getting briefings that were put together uh, by the law firm um, with information. I, d I don't and they know wouldn't say, where it came And they from, wouldn't no. say, we've hired this guy, Jonathan Steele, and he's got sources in Russia, and, and this is information. Again, Jonathan Steele. I don't know where he's getting that name. In, in trips and traps. What I know is that... Christopher and, Steele, sorry. Yeah, well, what I've known is what I've read in the press, that I think it was $1.2 million. What I've known is what I've read in the press. Where have we heard this line before, Laura? What I know, <laughs> what I know, is what I read in the press. <laughs> and I've never sent Hillary Clinton a classified email. And I don't know anything about that server. And it turns out he had thousands of emails back and forth to the private <laughs> server, all of them hacked by China. He was using a pseudonym that was, it was who was he using as a pseudonym again? I, I forget. He was calling himself. I don't, I don't remember, but it was just ridiculous. He was calling himself some literary figure. He's calling himself Maya Angelou or something. And, and he was using a pseudonym, but. And nobody talked about it. All I know it's just is what I read in the press that was spent on this overall project uh, and that I think it was like 120000 some fraction of that went to this steel uh, uh, company. So 
I don't I don't know who else, you know, contributed to these reports. I, I Oh my god. Christopher Steele, Jonathan Steele, we don't even really know his name. Hundred and twenty thousand, hundred and sixty eight thousand, uh not really sure. 450k paid for just Stefan Halper. Not really sure about that either. Oh, we know is what was reported in the press. I mean, they really think you're that stupid, Laura. They they think that they can say in the same segment, "Yes, I was in the room. I handled the payments. We paid off steel. It was done through Perkins Coy. We were in the room. We got regular briefings." Okay, he says I that mean, at the beginning. Jacob, are you really surprised now that President or Barack Obama? I mean, let's not even call him President Obama. Let's not even give no, him, I don't call that, him that. that amount of respect. But now that Obama is out of the White House, everything that we knew to be true about this guy is coming out. I mean, he didn't just lie about this. On another note, I mean, look at one of the biggest scandals of his presidency. One of the biggest questions surrounding his presidency, you know, we're going to slide off track for a little while, was his birth certificate. Do you remember his birth certificate? And he claimed that he was American. He claimed that he was an American citizen, that he was born in Hawaii. Well, now that he's out and he's just been out of the limelight, President Obama was just in Kenya. And did you hear what he said the other day? Did you hear what he said? He says he is the first American president to come from Kenya. He said that he was from Kenya, basically that he was born in Kenya. All right. So everything that he said is a lie. I mean, technically speaking, his entire presidency would be illegitimate if that were the case. So. Uh, I'm not really surprised, and I think that we're going to find out a lot more about Obama and things that he covered up and things that he participated in, uh, criminal activity now that he's out, and notice that he's been laying very low, right? He hasn't really been doing a lot of public speaking. He's in Kenya right now visiting his family, of course, because it's his homeland, but uh, he's there with Oprah as well. A lot of people don't know that, but he's currently in Africa with Oprah. He brought Oprah with, uh, with him. Yes. Uh, and I don't want Maybe. to, go on. you know, I, I don't want to muddy the waters here, but but here's here's the clip. Here is the uh, actual clip that you referenced. Three years ago, I visited Kenya as uh, the first sitting American president to come from Kenya. Um, <laughs> One more time. Three years ago, I visited Kenya as uh, the first sitting American president to come from Kenya. Um, <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, another thing that Donald Trump was right about. Gosh, the guy never gets enough credit. No, he, he didn't say. Do you remember? He didn't say of Kenyan heritage either. He didn't say that. He, he said, said to come from, from Kenya. Kenya. To come from Kenya. Now, let me ask you this, Laura, too. Oh, I mean, God. Donald Trump had it all, even in 2011. Very In 2011, very, he offered yeah, very, five, very, $5 million. Dollars. I remember when he offered it. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. It 2012. And, and he was a very wealthy guy, and, and he. He had it all, and he was very famous and all that. Do you think that Donald Trump, you know, just on a whim, you know, decided he wanted to come out and, 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 and call the president illegitimate? The, no, he didn't, okay? And do you think that Donald Trump did that without first hiring some of the best investigators in the world to go and look into it? I don't want to give anything away here. 
But I'll give you a hint. The answer is yes, he did hire some of the best investigators. In the I world. know some of the investigators who worked on the case regarding Barack Obama's birth certificate. I know some of them. I'm friends with uh, one of the investigators. So I know for a fact, and I've seen the documents, and I've seen pictures that haven't been released that I've personally been privy to seeing that uh, Malik Obama gave some of the investigators. And, of course. Oh, yeah. Malik I've, Obama I've came on it. my other podcast, the Washington Reporter podcast, he came on and he told us on the podcast, this is Barack Obama's brother, told us on the podcast, he was born in Kenya. I've got his birth certificate. I said, you've got his birth certificate. I said, <laughs> I said, tweet it out. And he did. He tweeted it out. And he's never backed down from that. So you've got Obama saying he's from Kenya. You've got his brother saying he's from Kenya. That either makes us unable to listen to basic audio that's coming through our ears or them birthers and racists, according to the media. I mean, if you listen to the media, Barack Obama is a birther. Exactly. Because he just said he was born in Kenya. He's from Kenya. That's what he said. No, it's it's an interesting aside. But, uh, you know, and as far as as far as Clapper goes, it's funny how it, it's like this week. They, <laughs> these people seem to be telling the truth. I've got Clapper here saying that uh, that Obama was behind the whole thing. I mean, it's not like we didn't already know this. We've seen the text messages where Peter Strzok says POTUS wants to know all. We've got to update the president tomorrow. He wants to know the whole thing. White House is running this. We've got to st- keep them posted. Don't forget the report for the White House over and over and over again. <laughs> Like a thousand messages about the White House. But the media told us Obama didn't know about this. You see, he's a paragon of virtue, truth, and law and order. He would never do that. Well, now we've got Clapper coming out and just saying it like it is. Here's James Clapper on CNN. If it weren't for President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did that set off a whole sequence of events which are still unfolding today notably Special Counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama uh, is responsible for that, and it was he who tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment uh, in the first place. I think It was he who tasked us to do that assessment, which led to Mueller. I mean, Laura, what, 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 what more do liberals need to hear? I mean, what more do they, they, do they need to hear before they stop telling me and telling you and tweeting at us nonstop that Obama didn't know anything about the dossier or the FISA warrant or the intelligence community assessment or Mueller. It's it's just insanity at this point in time is what it is. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, at, at what point do they need to say it, you know, while standing on one foot? Does, does he need to say it with his right hand raised up in the air and his left hand on a Bible? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they need to do where they come out and admit what they're doing and we're supposed to think that that means something else. I, I don't know what it is. But, uh, I, no, I want to move on here. And I want to talk about this stimulus that, that's going on for farmers here. And, and hopefully bring people some perspective. You know, I, I was reading a headline this morning in Zero Hedge, and it said, Trump administration announces multi-billion dollar stimulus for farmers. And I thought, gosh, this is just one of those perfect examples where it's a tale of two headlines. Because yeah. what you had right next to this headline was a headline which read, China caves the full details behind Beijing's launch of fiscal easing. You see, this is, this is very interesting stuff, folks. Barack, uh, Barack Obama put us in a mess with China. Massive trade deficit. They owned a lot of our debt. It used to be Japan. Japan's an ally. It's all good. Hey, they want to buy up our debt? Sounds good to me. Whatever. Could you ask for a nicer you know, landlord than the Japanese? I don't think so. Uh, you know, effectively, that's what they became. 
And and Barack Obama really screwed us up. But what Donald Trump is trying to do here is he's trying to help China manage their collapse while keeping it from spreading into the United States. I mean, people forget here. China's going through a massive economic slowdown. Their economy has slowed from, you know, 8%, 9%, 15% growth in some years, now down to 2% growth. Now, if you're growing at 15% and the next year you're growing at 2%, that causes some problems for your economy because you have models and projections which say you're going to keep growing. People make loans accordingly. People uh, buy homes accordingly. People do business accordingly. And China's slowdown is a, is a real problem. And what President Trump is trying to do, and, and some of his actions will be written about in history, the, the specifics behind this, the calls with Xi Jinping, many of these calls and, and, and many of these actions will be looked upon as heroic in 10 years. I can just tell you right now, because China is collapsing and Trump is trying to keep that from, from, from spilling over, from sucking us down with them. From, from, from grabbing us down and sinking our ship the way that the Chinese have done by flooding their own economy with bad debt. That's what's happened in China. They had a big bubble and now it's popped and it's in the process of deflating. Uh, but a, a clip from Morning Joe just kind of puts this all in perspective, I think, pretty well. We just thought it's a public service to all of you who might have been distracted by the shiny penny that they threw out on the streets yesterday that we be clear about what this year's leading headline is, what it should be, and what it will be. American president pawned for Putin. Promote Soviet strategy on NATO. Because that's exactly what's going on. Good morning, and welcome to Morning Joe. With- NATO. Why does he talk that way? It's so bizarre. I've always wondered. No, that's not the headline, Joe. The headline isn't that... Russia owns the president and the Soviet Union has come back to life and is controlling the White House. No, that's not the headline. You know, the the headline is, if you want to talk about below the surface headlines, why don't we talk about China collapsing before our eyes economically, trying to manage this collapse, doing unprecedented, desperate things to do it. I mean, declaring Xi Jinping president for life. I mean, it's it's so funny to me, Laura. I mean, it's just hilarious. Every time they say Vladimir Putin's an autocrat, he is not democratic. He is anti-democratic. He hates democracy. They will say that with a straight face. Well, I don't know. I mean, Putin just held a free election a couple months ago. He won. Yeah, he's been president for a while. They don't have term limits there. That's how they do it. But he won the election, and international observers signed off on, on Russia's latest election as kosher. So I don't know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, China's president, Xi Jinping, declared himself president for life. President for life. He, he said... I will be the leader as long as I damn well feel like it. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. And, you know, selling organs, that's fine. You know, just having open organ markets on the streets of China, that's okay too. This is, this is what I mean. I mean, you're dealing with a media that, that is willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to say that the Soviet Union, a, a country which no longer exists, FYI, is running the White House. When really behind the scenes, what you have is you have President Trump trying to work together with Russia and work together with China to make sure that hopefully China makes it out in one piece and doesn't have a meltdown which drags the entire world into an economic collapse. But it is the kind of twisting and turning that we've seen so often, Laura. It really is. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's, And there's, I love, I love, yeah. 
I, the, my favorite thing about this podcast is just how I love working with such an intelligent co-host. I mean, for those of you listening, Jacob always has such great insight and such great knowledge about everything that's taken place in the world, right? He, uh, he just has such a uh, plethora of knowledge, especially on economic issues. And that's more of his, you know, his area of, uh, his, his, his specialty. And I bring you news regarding terrorism and investigations and things of that matter. But, uh, I'm very happy I work with you, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, Laura. And you know, you underscore something about this podcast. I don't mean to toot our own horn too much, but this idea of doing things, you know, actually getting out there and doing things. Uh, you know, you, you, you talk about some people. I mean, for folks who don't know, I mean, I have a job. I ran a hedge fund for a couple of years. I just sold it to my business partner in, in that business and um, don't own it any longer. But uh, currently work for an investment bank. You know, I am in the trenches actually actually working actually working every day. And it's the same with Laura. I mean, we're going back and forth today. Both We both had a very busy day. She's actually on the ground, on location, going out and grabbing facts. And for me, Laura, I think it's just special because it sets us apart from a lot of other podcasts, which in many cases are very good. I'm a big fan of them. But I think that people like to hear things from people who actually do stuff, who actually have jobs, who have to get out there, who have to get after it, uh, than people who are just purely wordsmiths, just purely talkers, uh, who can talk about anything. You, you, you could ask them to improv about a mirror, and they do a fine job, or improv about a light bulb, and they do a fine job. But they're little more than wordsmiths. They don't have any real expertise about the economy, or about investigative journalism, or about law enforcement, or about you name it. They don't have any real expertise. They don't have any real experience. They don't actually do anything. They just talk. It's nice, isn't it, to, to, to deal with people uh, and to put out a podcast which comes from actual perspective of two people, you and I, Laura, who, who are regular folks. We're not wordsmiths. We don't get paid to talk for the very sake of talking. I mean, people can donate and, and we encourage that, but uh, no, it's, it's important, I think. It's important. There's not many people like us out there. I agree. Well, now now that Jacob has given you guys the rundown on that, we need to talk about ISIS, all right? We need to talk about the threats of Islamic terrorists in America, in Canada, in North America, the threat that Islam is posing on the Western civilized world. And look, I'm a supporter of Donald Trump. I love President Trump. I voted for President Trump. I support his presidency. But the one thing that I will say that I'm critical of is I do not agree with President Trump when he says that ISIS has been depleted. It's just simply not true. All right. ISIS may have been devastated by Donald Trump in Iraq and in Syria, but that doesn't mean that ISIS has been, uh, you know, ravaged or depleted. I mean, ISIS is walking among us. I'm just going to give you guys some stats, some things that happened today. All right. So today there was a man in Michigan who was charged with aiding and abetting ISIS. All right. He was out of Dearborn, Michigan. This was in Michigan. This is this is everything I'm telling you right now happened today. He was charged today with aiding and abetting ISIS. That's Michigan. Then uh, also today, a New York man admitted in court that he paid to die and help ISIS spread its jihad. All right. That's another thing. 
And then also today it was confirmed that the terrorist who I predicted was a terrorist all along. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll always get the news, especially about Islamists and their attacks before anybody else, because I have a very large network of, uh, you know, intel officers, former FBI agents, people who I consult with who give me uh, a lot of information on these attacks that take place. And many times I just can't even begin to tell you how many times I've said that, you know, attacks that have taken place are uh, terrorist attacks when the media refuses to admit it. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, or, or the, other the cops night, refuse to admit it. I mean, we get that, too. Yeah. I mean, the other night uh, there was a an attack, a shooting in Toronto and a man shot 14 people in a Greek neighborhood uh, that was just outside of a Muslim neighborhood in Toronto. And they said he was a gunman. And immediately I said, this guy's an Islamic terrorist. I mean, if you look at his beard, if you zoom into the video that someone managed to take, he's got a Sharia compliant beard. He's dressed in all black. He's holding the gun with two hands. He shot 20 bullets, hit 14 people. I mean, that's that's weapons training, right? Anybody who studies jihad like I do, uh, you you are able to tell the signs of what you know, is, is what is Islamic terrorism? Now let's play. Let's play. Guess the name. Um, I'm guessing his name was Yossi Cohen. Oh, let's try <laughs> again. Um, okay, maybe uh, Zevi Goldberg. Oh no, mm. I'm off on that. Guess again. Uh, maybe Jack Thompson. No. Oh no no. Oh, here it is. Here I found my notes. It's a uh, 29 year old Faisal Hussein. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. Faisal Hussein. All right. So even after Faisal Hussein's name came out, the media was saying, oh, my God, he's mentally ill. Well, the reason he said that is because not only did the Canadian police and law enforcement in Canada and Justin Trudeau, who's an abomination as well and a total jihadi enabler and sympathizer, not only did they refuse to release the identity of the of the shooter while they knew who he was for for 20 hours, but they waited until the family of the terrorist had released a, a statement until they informed people of his name. So it was almost as if people were being force fed propaganda. So when oh, the oh they statement, were I mean the 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 well they were so let me get let yeah. me tell you what happened next so what happened is there was this very long statement that was released that had perfect grammar all the Oxford commas it was just a very polished statement and we're thinking everybody was thinking to themselves wait a second so a Muslim immigrant family who lives in a community where they don't really speak much English wrote this statement really you mean to tell me that they they are, you know, better at punctuation and grammar than than most Americans. Really? Oh, interesting. So uh, let's check it out. Let's let's check out the statement. Well, I guess some reporters in Canada started doing some digging, which is shocking, right? Because most of the reporters in Canada are just very liberal. No, they just, get, just they, get, they get spoon fed the talking points from Trudeau. Exactly. And they just repeat them. So, That's why I was saying I looked at the Canadian reports and it was just weird to me when I was pulling together the show. They every one of them said that there was a gun attack. And I said, oh, my God, this sounds similar. Yeah. I went back. The last one that happened where they ran over or one of the last ones that happened where they ran over a bunch of people on the streets of uh, Toronto. Was it Toronto? I forget. Somewhere up in Canada. Toronto. Yeah. In the last attack, they called it a truck attack or exactly, a van and attack. And it was an ISIS terrorist, right? Right. So then what happened is it was revealed today that CARE, the, uh, the CARE Canada, which calls itself uh, something else be after they were exposed for funding terrorism, uh, they actually are, I guess, representing this family and they wrote the statement for the family. So, you know, CARE, which is a designated terrorist organization, is recognized, it's recognized as an Islamic terrorist organization uh, in the United Arab Emirates. All right. 
not only did they represent uh, this family and not only did they write the statement for this family, right, that their son is now, uh, you know, exposed as, as an Islamic terrorist. But if you recall, CARE also provided representation and aid to Nor Solomon. I don't know if you guys remember Nor Solomon, but Nor Solomon is the wife of Omar Mateen, who was the ISIS terrorist who killed 49 people at the gay club in Orlando, if you recall. So CARE has a history of supporting Same thing terrorists, with the San Bernardino shooters, you name it. Yeah, the, all the uh, time. They constantly come to the aid of these terrorist family members who all know that their family members are involved in jihad, right? Or, or I mean, do there's you, a practice do you want, in the Muslim uh, community. You, you guys want a little bit of a scoop here. The San Bernardino terrorists, most people don't know this, who weren't privy to the back behind-the-scenes law enforcement stuff, but Omar Mateen and Tashfin Malik, or, or I'm sorry, maybe Mateen, I'm getting them mixed up, I'm getting my Islamic terrorists mixed up here, Laura. But uh, Tashfin Malik and uh, who, who? It's okay. They the, all have the same the name. I was. do it too. Yeah, they made a jihadi video beforehand, before the the video, before the sh- the shooting happened in San Bernardino, and the video camera they filmed it with. The serial number's warranty was registered to guess who? Care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's always something. I mean, but these people always have their fingers in these terror attacks, whether it's the Las Vegas shooting, getting involved with uh, the girlfriend, you name it. I, I'm not surprised either. And if you recall, uh, because I'm always on top of this and because I am educated in this subject matter, when I showed up to the North Solomon trial and I confronted the family outside of the courthouse one morning and asked them to denounce jihad since they were claiming that they weren't... Uh, Uh, radicals themselves. Um, I was then escorted out of the courthouse the next day by U.S. Marshals. I was paper arrested, had my phone confiscated, and I was banned by the the Obama-appointed judge, right? So, look, I mean, there's just so many issues in this country, and this is why, like I said, I'm a supporter of Donald Trump, but I just think it's very misleading to say that ISIS has been obliterated because how there's within an eight-mile drive, right? You have the Toronto ISIS terrorist, and then you have in New York City, this man pleading guilty to uh, planning an ISIS terrorist attack in New York City. You could drive from Toronto to New York City in eight hours, all right? And then you have Michigan, right? A plane ride away, where a man in Dearborn has been charged with trying to join and support ISIS as well. I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, anybody who says that Islam is not a problem in this country has absolutely lost their mind. Three ISIS-related crimes and investigations in one day, we have a serious problem, folks. What what we've got is we've got, I mean, the, the caliphate, as you think of it, has essentially been, it doesn't exist anymore. It's been vaporized. It's been bombed. But what you have is you have thousands of jihadis returning home from the caliphate, freshly minted, freshly trained at ISIS training camps in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan and you name it, all over the Middle East. And they're returning home to carry out their plans, to carry out bombings, to carry out shootings, to carry out truck attacks, whatever they can pull off. And that's right, carry out a 9-11. I mean, they say in their own documents, the Islamicists do, that their goal is to set off a dirty bomb in L.A. and Manhattan. These people are playing around. They they mean everything they say. ISIS has never taken responsibility for an attack that they didn't do. And they're very specific. So, for example, ISIS has not taken responsibility for the attack in Orlando, right? But there are individuals who, who, uh, who 
who prescribe to the uh, ISIS propaganda and they read ISIS materials and they travel overseas. For example, just like this individual, uh, Faisal Hussein, right? He, he, he was being investigated. This is another thing. The Canadian authorities knew about him prior to this attack. So he was actually being investigated because he had traveled overseas to Afghanistan and Pakistan. And there's a video that's floating around that's been released. And uh, it appears to be him in the Middle East getting weapons training. It looks like one of those martyr videos that jihadis film. And on top of that, but the Canadian police were investigating him for weapons crimes and also monitoring his online activity. So why is it that Wherever it may be, why is it that authorities always seem to know about these people, but they never do anything to stop them? Well, why I mean, I'll, I'll tell you part and of then it. I'll here. tell you one last thing sure. before before we uh, transition and you 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 jump in. I I think that they knew about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna break this news. I was going to uh, break it in an exclusive article later, but I might as well just break it on the podcast. But um, it's almost as if the Toronto police knew that there was going to be a terrorist attack. Because on July 12th, which was uh, 13 days ago, they the Toronto police said that they increased their presence of security in the downtown area and throughout the city due to a, quote, potential risk, a potential risk. All right. And they wouldn't say what it was. Did they know that this was going to happen? Did the Toronto police know that a Muslim terrorist was going to shoot up uh, Greektown? Well, and another yeah, thing that's an absolute abomination is the fact that Christians were targeted in this attack. Faisal Hussein lived in a community, a Muslim community next to a mosque that was adjacent to Greektown. And anybody who lives in Toronto is aware of the fact that the Orthodox Greek Christians living in Greektown had a lot of tensions with the Muslims because the Muslims were intolerant of them and often targeted members of the community and were just very vicious and intolerant and didn't want to coexist with them, right? And if you look at all the businesses that were shot up in Toronto the night of the shooting two nights ago, they were all owned by Orthodox Christian Greeks. All right. So you, you hear about Christians being targeted in the Middle East, but no one ever talks about that here in America. And that's what's so egregious about this is they're saying he's mentally ill. But are they confirming that Islam is a mental illness? I mean, if, that, if that's what we all want to agree upon, then fine, go ahead, call him mentally ill. If we can finally say that Islam no, no, is a let, mental let's, illness, let's let's underscore this. Let's underscore this. In 2010, Hussein was investigated by Toronto Police Department under the Mental Health Act. They couldn't find any signs of mental illness outside of the fact that he kept talking about how he wanted to blow everybody up. Kept screaming but that's what they over. do in but Canada. They investigate he, terrorists under mental right. health. Right. Of course you're not going to find mental illness. He's it. not mentally ill. He's just a terrorist, folks. I mean, it, it, it's like they're looking for him to what? Have his pupils dilated or uh, show signs of stress? I mean, what, what, what are they looking for? Of course, he doesn't test in a mental illness test. He tests 100% positive if you do what? A terrorist test. It's the same thing we saw in the Boston bombing. FBI interviewed the guys three separate times. They knew they were planning something. Said, oh, well, we can't do anything. A and to a large extent, they can't. You know, there's so many there's so many restrictions on what cops can do and what sort of action can be taken and, and everything else. A lot of times that they actually can't do anything when they've got one of these terrorists. And so, of course, this all has to be dealt with by who's let into the country in the first place. If you're letting, like they are in the UK and in Sweden and in other places, if you're letting thousands of ISIS terrorists freshly minted from training camps in Syria return to your country, you think that things like this might happen every now and again? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, out of control. It's, it's just completely but, out of control. Uh, These things are happening. They're happening every day, and we're that. not we're not we're not reading about this in the news, Laura. They're, they're, nobody talks about it except for nobody us. Nobody talks it about like. it, but that's why you have to listen to this, and that's why I was emphasizing the fact before. Right? Notice during these podcasts, Jacob always gives you the rundown on the economic issues, a lot of the international relations. Right? He's very well versed, and my area of expertise really are these deep dive investigations, specifically focusing on issues of Islamic terrorism. And these are things that nobody else is going to talk about. And especially other Jews in the media are not going to talk about because the left-wing Jews in the media have chosen to align themselves with Islam, the biggest enemy of the Jewish people, right? That is always and always will be the biggest enemy of the Jewish existence. So you're not going to get this update from other people in the media, specifically you know, people who, who claim to be Jewish. And that's the point of this podcast, right? To live Jew. We talk about a lot of issues, but we talk about a lot of issues and hopes too to really educate a lot of Jewish people who are on the fence politically, uh, who need to be convinced to vote for Donald Trump because the Democrats want to abolish ICE. They want to have open borders. They want to align themselves with the Islamists and groups that call for the death of Israel, Right. Yes, they don't indeed. stand with the Jewish people. I mean, speaking about, we want to talk about, again, another another threat of terrorism in America. Look at these Democrats calling to abolish ICE. Another story that I released this week, another story I released concerns the, uh, the, the southern border. The Texas Border Patrol in Laredo, Texas, arrested four Bangladeshi men. Bangla- Bangladesh is a Muslim-majority country. It's the uh, third largest Muslim country in the world by population, by population density, of course. And uh, they they arrested four Bangladeshi Muslim men trying to cross over illegally. What were they trying to do illegally? What were these men trying to do? And how the hell did they get from Bangladesh to Mexico illegally? I mean, does anyone want to they, talk about I'll this? I'll tell you how they did it. They bought a plane ticket from uh, Bangladesh to Mexico City, and they paid the guy at the airport 50 pesos to come on through, and then they trekked up to the border. I mean, we, we've yeah. got open borders, effectively, is what we've got. I mean, we've got different degrees of openness, but it's always open. You know, Laura, I want to talk about this, uh, this, this new student loan scam that seems to be coming out. And uh, hopefully we can save people some money or save their kids some, some money and some misery down the line. Uh, anything else before we move on to that, that, that people should know about this, this epidemic of terrorism that we've seen even in the last couple of days? No, it seems like you it's need to stay up. vigilant, all right? And you need to pay attention because honestly, there's going to be an attack. And Jacob and I have been telling you for a while, there's going to be another 9-11 style attack in this country, especially because the liberals want to abolish ICE. They want open borders. They want terrorists to come into this country. I mean, do you really honestly think that all ICE does is deport deport uh, Mexicans all day? Do you think that's what they do? I mean, do you really believe how low IQ do you have to be to think that the only thing ICE is doing in this country is deporting Mexicans? I mean, do you know how many terrorists try to slip in through the border that ICE is monitoring? Do you know how many and you never- uh, Read children they save they stop child trafficking they stop weapons they stop drugs do you know what ice does i mean could you imagine what would happen just last year alone in 2017 you know they they stopped over uh they stopped over uh 
over a couple thousand from what I understand. I need to check the actual statistics, but a couple thousand individuals from Islamic nations who were trying to come over into the southern border illegally. What were they trying to do? Why are Muslim people making a journey illegally all the way to Mexico to come in through our border? Why do so many undocumented Muslims want to come into America? Why? And, you know, a lot of those people had ties to terrorism. ICE and Border Patrol, they were able to determine that. But you're not going to hear about that on the news. And, of course, they, no, stop, they, stop, that, they stop trillions of dollars of cash that go the other way into Mexico, drug money and uh, human trafficking money to profits for the cartels. Yeah, the, I, ICE is, 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 is as good as it gets. I mean, th- th- that's where you want your police state to be is on the border. Yeah. But... Um, all right. I, I want to get into this this student loan scam that's coming out now. It's 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 a new thing that that the colleges have dreamt up, and the media is just hand in glove, ready to provide them with as much free PR for this new program as they need. Uh, let's start off with a clip backgrounder from uh, CBS CBS fake news, and we'll move backwards from there. While many are celebrating the achievement of graduating from college, congratulations. When the festivities die, the reality of student loan debt can quickly sink in. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's real life for you, kids, yeah, now that you're out of school. <laughs> and now, because of rising interest rates, students will have to pay more to borrow money from the government. Jeannie Ahn is a reporter for Yahoo Finance, and she joins us now to discuss it all. So, the interest rates for federal student loans, they're going up, right? Yes. About a half a percentage? Yes, it's going to okay. go up in an the federal, it's going to go up three times expected for 2018. They're not even talking about the same thing. For one thing, Laura, they've got this this moronic BIM from Yahoo News. They're, they're the worst of the worst, Yahoo News. They've got this moron from Yahoo News, this, this Asian woman on here, who says, yeah, they're going to go up three times. They're not even talking about the same thing. The, the woman from Yahoo is talking about the Fed, the Fed rate, which the Fed is not a, a component of the government, has nothing to do with the Federal Department of Education raising interest rates. That doesn't have anything to do with student loans. The, the Fed raising rates might cause your student loan rates to go down. You, you never know. The Fed, what the Fed does has no effect on long-term loans or on long-term debt at all. You really have to watch those interest rates because that will, inc- that will accrue to thousands of dollars for the life of your loan. Right. Now you hear half a percentage and you think it sounds like a little bit, but it turns out to be a lot. Yeah, it's, it's dreaded. You know, no, lot- it's not a little bit or a lot. It's a half a percentage by definition. It's not a little bit or a lot. It's a half a percentage. My students don't know about it. They don't care. They don't pay attention. But yeah. you really have to because it does, you know, make you take a step back when you graduate. You can't do the things that you want to because of those interest payments. Mm. Yep. So we got into the second part of the segment where they begin their sell. And I won't play it because I don't feel like giving them free commercial time. But they're proposing a new system, Laura, a new system to keep you from being under the burden of student loans. And their new system is just brilliant. What they're proposing is a a thing that they used to call indentured servitude. They want you to, rather than sign on to a loan, because, you know, those things are bad. Instead, they want you to promise them on paper so they can come sue you for it. A percentage of your future income for a set amount of time. For a set amount of time. Do you see how that's a scam yet, Laura? Or should I get a little bit further deeper into this? Are you seeing it? <laughs> I mean, yet? I see it. I see it. But go ahead. So, Rip them a new so one. people are thinking, why is that a scam? No, no, no. It's good. I'll give them the, my income for two years or 10% of my income for two years. First of all, it's not for two years, folks, obviously, because you're going to get out of college and you're going to go get a job that pays you 40 or 50K anyway. That would never pay off anything, much less your mountain of hundreds of thousands of dollars owed to the school. 
No, what, what they propose is, is a longer-term thing. We're talking about 18 years, 20 years, 30 years, where they take 10 or 20% of your income. The first college that has really gotten the attention here is Norwich University, who announced Tuesday that it will become the latest school to offer this type of contract, known as an income share agreement. Norwich's program is starting out on a small scale, mainly for students who do not have access to other types of loans, or for those who are taking longer than the traditional eight semesters to finish their degree. That's from AP. So the problem with this, folks, is as follows, and it's called math. And if you're not very good at it, you probably don't see what's wrong with this sort of arrangement yet. But here's what you need to know. So the nice thing about a loan, Laura, this is always the thing with starting a startup or something. There's upsides and downsides. There's trade-offs. You know, the, the downside of a loan is that it's the same amount no matter what. You go out of business, you still have to pay it. You lose your job, you still have to pay it. You still have to pay it no matter what. It's not very flexible. Okay, that's the downside. That's the downside. But it's also the upside because guess what? If you get an $8,000 loan to start Apple, you only have to pay back $8,000 even if you go out of business. But mm-hmm. if it turns out to be a billion-dollar company, you still only have to pay eight grand. doesn't matter what happens in the background. You, get, you sell 10% of Apple to start Apple. Well, now you, you don't own 10% anymore, and you never will. You're always paying out 10%. And this is a similar scam here. What they're saying is, you know, school costs $200,000, let's say, right? Let's just say it's 200000 I looked up the prices at Norwich. I looked at the tuition. It's about two hundred k by the time you get out of that place. That's what you're going to have spent. And I'm not factoring on opportunity costs and housing, and, but it's about two hundred grand. That's what students are spending. So, Laura, let's imagine that for 20 years you are to pay Norwich University 20% of your income, 20% of your income. First of all, I don't know how you're ever going to plan on getting married. I don't know how you're ever going to plan on doing that. I mean, imagine that. You go on a date with someone and they say, how much do you make? I don't know. That's the kind of question I ask. I'm a little bit to the point. And they say, oh, I make 200000 a year. But really, I don't make 200000 a year. I make one sixty because I'm on an income share plan, income share plan. And that's the trouble, Laura, is that some people are going to do very, very well, as is always the case. Some are going to do not so hot. Some are going to do right in the middle. And some are going to do very well. So some of these students are going to become multimillionaires. And this school is going to rob them silly. So yeah, if you don't perform well, income share is pretty nice. You lose a job. You don't work for five years. Well, guess what? There's no income to share. I'm sure they've got conditions for that contingency also. Yeah. But this is their latest scam. And, you know, it's funny because they talk about interest rates going up and income share and loans. But at no point do these people take any responsibility. At no point do they say, hey, wait a second. This is a voluntary relationship. You don't have to do this, do you? You don't have to go to college. You don't have to bury yourself in debt. You don't have to do an income share plan. This is the kind of trouble that you get into when these government-sponsored programs like income share agreements and guaranteed student loans and what was it before that? Guaranteed housing loans. Remember, everybody needs to own a house. Everybody needs a half a million dollars of debt on their books because everyone needs to own a house. Well, what happened when that was the policy? And you're going to see the same thing in student loans. They are sucking in all these people who have no business going to college because it's free money. They don't have to pay. They poor, rich, smart, dumb, doesn't matter. Come one, come all. You won't have to pull out any cash so you can get in the door. But once you get in the door, we're going to come collect from you later. It's the same thing you saw in the housing crash. It's the same thing that you see in this crash or in this soon-to-be crash. And over and over again, we see this where Wall Street, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking everybody who works in finance. Obviously, that would be me. I mean, Wall Street at the highest levels and the government collude 
to create these sort of social campaigns. Everybody needs to own a home. Everybody needs to go to college. Everybody needs to work in STEM. Why do you think they're pushing everybody into STEM? Those are the more expensive degrees. The ones that people are less likely to finish. The people that the, the degree that less that more people are likely to drop out of after two years and switch to a different degree and start from the beginning. You see what I'm talking about here, folks? Colleges are for profit. These are profitable businesses, and they exist to take as much money from your pocket as you will allow them to, come hell or high water. So stop thinking about this as if it's if it's not voluntary and take some responsibility. These these colleges are ripping people off. They're putting people in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. They're condemning people to lives of literal indentured servitude in the case of these income share plans. Oh, and by the way, the little cherry on top, you get to get propagandized and brainwashed into left-wing egalitarian postmodern nonsense while they're, while they're at it. While they're robbing you, they'll turn you into a communist. It is remarkable. But I, I just, I, I saw this story and I was just so floored by it. Just, they'll turn you into a communist and make you convert to Islam. No, think about <laughs> you that. You forgot to no, th- that. Think about that. It, it's the ultimate communist move. They say, I come to them, I say, how much does your college cost? Well, it depends. If you graduate and you only make $20,000 a year, you only give us 10% of 20000 If you graduate and you make $2 million a year because you were really smart and they really liked you over at Goldman Sachs or at you name it, whatever, if you make $2 million when you graduate or you start a big company, right? You start a big company. What happens there? You leave college, you start a big company, uh, you're doing really well, you make $2 million. Oh, f- well, for you, you see, for you, it's going to be $400,000 a year for the next 20 years, because it's a percentage. It's just, you know, income share, right? Share the income. Sharing is caring. So this is the ultimate communist system. Everybody gets the same product. The losers in the equation only pay $2,000 for it. And the winners, well, we've got to go and punish them and charge them more. It sounds a lot like something else called the progressive tax bracket system, doesn't it? Do better, get punished for it. Do worse, get rewarded. Backwards, backwards incentives. I don't know, Laura. What do, you, what do you make of this? I mean, you you actually you you went to college a bit. I mean, you you know the ins and outs of this stuff. It's it's just remarkable. I did to go me. to college, and I don't recommend people go to college unless you're planning on getting an advanced degree, something that you need more education for, like medical school, law school, something of that nature. I don't encourage people. I encourage people to start their own businesses, and honestly. Uh, I mean, I, I, I went to college. I got a 4.0 GPA. I graduated summa cum laude. I was top of my class. A month before graduation, I was kicked out of college for creating a fake ISIS club to expose uh, the political correct insanity on college campuses to show that they're literally willing to not offend anybody to the point where they would allow for a terrorist organization to uh, get funds on campus, right? And, um, you know, of course I was punished. I was uh, kicked out of college. I was president of college Republicans and they tried to make an example out of me, but I just think it's a waste of money. If I could go back in time, I would not go to college. I honestly would not because if you work hard and you're creative and you have good ideas and you're smart, uh, you don't need college. Everything I learned in college, I had to unteach myself because it's all liberal indoctrination. All right. It's all liberal indoctrination. They want to indoctrinate you. They want to turn you liberal and have the classes that you take. I mean, they're just these classes that they require you to take that aren't even a part of your degree. No, they're, right. They're, they're like, it's called free money. I mean, that's what it's, it's called. called. It's called they're called like supplemental prerequisite courses. All right. In order to get your degree, uh, they charge you up to 50, 60, 70, depending on where you go, thousand dollars a year for an education. If you go out of state 
And then your degree could really be completed in two years, possibly even one year, uh, if you were to take a lot of credits. But they make you take all of these uh, unnecessary courses, and, and they course, and they keep you around, and, and they become they your and they become exactly. your they become your landlord. I mean, most right. of the time, and they make the you live in a dorm, and right. you know, it's just it's insanity. Oh, uh, and, and, and people what are ask you me, they say, for? they say, they say. To me, I mean, I've had this. You must be crazy. How did you not go to college? I mean, of course, now it's hard for them to say that because, you know, I've done very, very well for myself, but uh, I will get that. And I say, what's crazy about that? Getting forced into a shoebox-sized apartment and paying the school to live in it? Uh, Getting forced to pay a quarter of a million dollars, leaving this institution, having gotten myself a mortgage but not a house? I'm crazy for not going? I, I don't know. I think you're the crazy one. I think you're the one that's taking a big risk because most of the kids graduating college aren't doing very well, believe it or not. It turns out these colleges are turning people soft. I'd sooner join the military than I'd join a college. It's a better way to, to spend what are essentially nonprofit years, right? If you think about profit versus nonprofit, it's essentially a write-off to be in college or, or, or it's, a more, it's negative to be in college. It's, it's a write-off to be in the military, financially speaking, most of the time. Well, it, it's it's remarkable, Laura. I, I don't know. Sometimes I like to bring it down from the very heady political stuff. And when I just when I saw the story, I thought, "Geez, this is a a scam like few I've ever seen." I mean, this is college a- is a scam. I hope people start to realize. I mean, you know, we used to value technical schools, but now the liberal elitists who run these uh, Ivy League institutions they look down upon them. But there's nothing wrong with having technical skills and. And uh, having real life job skills, right? I mean, most most people these days, they're taking all these gender science courses and they can talk to you about gender, gender fluidity, Islam and all this shit that doesn't matter. But they can't they can't do anything. They can't uh, they can't they can't do much. They can't do anything that really applies to real life skills. And that's because schools don't really emphasize that. I mean, high schools, for example, used to have home skills courses, right? They used to teach you about family planning. They used to talk about finances, but now everyone's just wasting their money on Tide Pods and avocado toast. All right. I mean, look, it's, it's just, it's craziness. And when I was, I, I went to Mount Holyoke College as a women's college, very, you know, as a prestigious women's university used to be Harvard for women back in the day when Harvard was all men. And I went and I hated it so much. I transferred out after one semester, not because I didn't do well. I had a 4.0 GPA, uh, but I just, I thought it was a waste of money and it was a liberal indoctrination and I just had to get out. I couldn't uh, allow myself to spend $60,000 a year at a university that wanted to convert me into a lesbian Democrat. Couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, it is a tremendous scam. And of course, everything's supply and demand, too. That's the funny thing. I just talked to a guy the other day. He's a street sweeper. Drives a street sweeper. Hey, that's fine. The world needs street sweepers. And apparently, it really needs them right now because the guy's making $105,000 a year. He's got no debt. He's got no uh, issues in, in that regard. If he had gone to a college, he'd be screwed. <coughs> he'd be screwed. He'd be making less money. He'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. He'd have a bunch of wasted time on his hands. His liver would be halfway cerotic from all of the binge drinking. Um, It would have been a disaster. So, you know, crane operators. I talked to a crane operator the other day. The guy's making 300 grand a year. No joke. Talked to a supervisor. Confirmed it. Because there's nobody to operate cranes. Everybody's getting a uh, lesbian dance theory degree or a degree in... (laughs) No, there's a degree at a university around here called Black Los Angeles. That's the name of the degree. I don't know what they teach you, but it's called Black Los Angeles, and you sit around and watch movies from black directors in the class, and then they give you a degree at the end of it. 
but that's the thing about these uh, these liberals is they've created this elitist mentality. I mean, it's funny because you know how uh, the liberals have framed this mentality or this uh, stereotype of conservatives of being stuck up, rich, right, out of touch. It's the liberals who are stuck up and out of touch. It's the liberals who treat you like garbage if you don't have a college degree from a fancy liberal arts school. It's the liberals who teach you like garbage uh, when they find out that they went to Harvard and you went to community college, right? It's the liberals who are the real elitists in society and look down upon people who made this country great. The, uh, you know, the people in flyover country, the blue collar workers, the people work on working on the assembly lines. Right. I mean, they, they think that those people don't matter and that those jobs don't matter. But then what do they contribute to society? No, they don't you know? contribute so, anything. They, write, I mean, they sit around I, and they write, they write right papers I, and they write articles about how they're offended yeah, because exactly. I said gay or and, something. And I see, I see former uh, classmates from when I was at Mount Holyoke College, right? These people whose parents were rich. And uh, I mean, when I was at Mount Holyoke College, I'll give you an example. There were, par- there were kids whose parents were multi-million millionaires. They were attending sc- the school that cost... Sixty to seventy thousand dollars in the year. Kids from Amherst, which was listed as the number one liberal arts college in the country, would come over and take the what was called the Peter Pan bus. It was this bus that would drive. It's this bus line in in a in a, on the East Coast. They would take the Peter Pan bus with their little hippie uh, hipster liberal friends to New York City and go protest for Occupy Wall Street in Zuccotti Park. I mean, their kid, their parents are working on Wall Street, and these these spoiled brats who are getting an education worth half a million dollars are protesting on Wall Street and Zuccotti Park, Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, how I mean, about instead of protesting just, on Wall Street, they go make themselves useful and get a job on Wall Street? Oh, right, they can't and, do and that. And that's the thing. <laughs> and now, what are they all doing? I mean, my former roommates. The last time I saw, they're like coffee shop barista workers, which you know. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. No, there's, but the, uh, there's the, anything the, the wrong rubber with being the a rubber barista. meets the road somewhere. I mean, you're either useful or you're not. You're yeah, either worth look, the big bucks or you're not. There's nothing wrong with being a barista, but if you're going to spend half a million dollars on a college education, maybe you like you know you probably you didn't need a you need you didn't need to spend half a million dollars to become a barista. I mean, if you're a barista, are you even going to make half a million dollars in your lifetime? <laughs> you know? No, you're not. You're not. That's the answer. But we're going to keep covering this stuff and, and, you know, try to bring it down to earth sometimes because, you know, you, you start talking about dossiers and Christopher Steele or Jonathan Steele or whatever they whatever his name is today. Uh, you know, this stuff can get very conceptual, very heady, very quickly. So it's good to talk about these these brick and mortar issues every every now and again. Uh, really important stuff. Laura, we're going to be back on on Friday, same time, WashingtonReporter.com, same place. Uh, of course, people can get all the links to all of the different pages they ought to be followed and subscribed to in the show notes. Follow Laura on Twitter, myself, websites, you name it. You can buy one of her Build Walls, Not Bridges t-shirts uh, on her store, Laura <laughs> Wait, Wimmer. I just US. have to add one more thing, just something of just kind of humorous to me that I just uh, saw on Twitter. Uh, for those of you who want to know, just... You know, as if the insanity couldn't get worse. Breaking news out of San Francisco. Politicians have voted to ban plastic straws. So, uh, in other words, breaking news, you can now take a dump on the sidewalk in San Francisco and you can murder a lady in broad daylight as an illegal immigrant, but you can't use a plastic straw. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
No and with plastic that, straws. We're going to save the turtles. We yes. got to save. Is that what they're saving the turtles now? I don't know. Environmentalism sure is mental, right? Oh, you man. can't spell environmentalism without the word mental. No, right? you, you really you really can't. But uh, well, in the meantime, uh, listen, folks, stay safe, stay vigilant. Stay subscribed to our various pages. I know Twitter is playing a lot of games, and uh, so are all the other platforms. Uh, but, uh, you know, stay subscribed, stay with it. Yes. And uh, we'll keep bringing you great content, and you'll keep bringing us money. We've got some great sponsors joining on. Uh, we're just in the process right now of, of working out the final details to bring you guys some great products and uh, great services. If you're interested in sponsoring, just contact us on Twitter, DM, uh, whatever, and we'll get back to you on that. Uh, all right, Laura, that was great. We will uh, see everybody back on Friday. Hasta la vista.